1: they don't call her crazy nancy for nothing that was president trump's response to what nancy pelosi said today and i hope you can understand this uh, with her unnecessary virtue signaling useless mask on
2: there is a plan and the plan isn't for the president to say that he's a perfect physical so, phys, specimen. Did he say specimen? Maybe I could agree with that. And and young. He said he was young. His disassociation from reality would be funny if it weren't so deadly. And his people, these enablers around who are enabling death, the death toll to rise. We can. We have to shed a bright light on what has been possible for months that they chose to ignore because of their contempt for Congress and their disdain for governance. And so that's why if there's one thing that has to be in this bill that he has never made as a priority, it's crushing the virus. I think that the public needs to know the health condition of the president. Let us see a date, a time when you last tested negative before you admitted Uh, to this virus tomorrow by the way tomorrow come here tomorrow we're going to be talking about the 25th amendment
1: sure you will and uh (laughs) i don't know if nancy said this before or after the debate commission had announced that next week's presidential debate would be virtual instead of in person the commission did it uh without consulting with the trump campaign And here's what Trump campaign manager Bill Stepien said in a release, and this is my kind of release. I love this. This is a great statement. Here's what he wrote, or released. I guess he released it somewhere. President Trump won the first debate despite a terrible and biased moderator in Chris Wallace, and everybody knows it. For the swamp creatures of the Presidential Debate Commission... (laughs) to rush to Joe Biden's – now rush to Joe Biden's defense by unilaterally counseling uh, an in-person debate is – canceling, I should say – unilaterally canceling an in-person debate is pathetic. That's not what debates are about or how they're done. Here are the facts. President Trump will have posted multiple negative tests prior to the debate, so there is no need for this unilateral declaration. The safety of all involved can easily be achieved – without canceling a chance for voters to see both candidates go head-to-head. We'll pass on this sad excuse to bail out Joe Biden and do a rally instead. Now, the last I checked, that's again, that's a, that's a great statement uh, for him to refer to the Presidential Debate Commission as swamp creatures. By the way, the, the, as I've said here before, you may know uh, the, the moderator for the debate was supposed to be um, a former intern of Joe Biden's. And last night, uh, Susan Page was ridiculous. He was terrible. Anyway, the last I checked, uh, the Biden cam- campaign said it will do a town hall event on ABC next week instead of the debate. Now, in case you had forgotten what that is, it's also known as a commercial for the Biden campaign. That's what the town hall uh, events are. No tough questions allowed. And Joe might have an earpiece. Pretty good chance he will. So that's the news for today. Just another day on the campaign trail. Only 26 more days to go. And by the way, Laura Trump is a senior advisor to the Trump campaign. She joins us now. Laura, thanks for being here.
3: Oh, you got it. Great to be with you.
1: So um, what's the up-to-the-minute status on debate number two? As I mean, i <laughs> I'm sure you're aware of all the news out there today.
3: Oh, well, it's, everything changes. It feels like every five minutes. Uh, 2020 is an interesting year. Look, we're still maintaining from the Trump campaign. There is absolutely no reason if the president is cleared by medical professionals that he shouldn't be able to debate in person. I think that there are inherent issues when you have a virtual debate. In the age of COVID, so many people now uh, understand. You can see very clearly on TV the delay oftentimes. Whenever two people are trying to talk to one another, like in interviews on TV, you see that there's a very uncomfortable delay It doesn't allow for people to to converse easily with one another. Certainly during a debate, you can see how it can get very messy um, in this sort of situation. Not to mention, look, we know Joe Biden is a guy that likes to read off of a teleprompter. How are we going to ensure that there is no one feeding him answers? Uh, You know, it is ripe for for so many issues. Um, And again, there's no reason that the president shouldn't be able to debate on stage. He's willing to do it, assuming he's cleared by medical professionals. And it's interesting that the debate commission would decide when they were very strong on saying we don't want to make any changes uh, whenever we were asking for the Trump campaign for a fourth debate. They said, no, no, we don't want to make any changes. We want to keep things exactly as they are. Suddenly, they want to make those changes. Sort of interesting how that works.
1: Yeah, so, um, but as, as we speak right now, he's, uh, the president is just not showing up for a, uh, for a virtual debate, and he wants to do what's scheduled. And uh, that hasn't changed.
3: No, the the president has said, I, I, I was told that we were going to do an in-person debate. That is what I would like. I do not want to partake in a virtual. That's correct.
1: There's also been some talk about moving it, moving it back a little bit.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, if the issue is that the Biden campaign is concerned uh, about the president for some reason being able to transmit COVID, although, again, he would have been cleared by medical professionals to do this. Um, then I guess why wouldn't we move it back a few days? Why not then give extra time if that is the, the real concern here from the Biden camp uh, as to why we wouldn't want to have that debate on next Thursday? It, you know, it, it does beg the question, why couldn't they do that too? But they're saying they would not participate in that either. So I guess guess we're in a bit of a stalemate here.
1: Yeah, so, Laura, you're a former uh, TV producer, and you know all about what could be done in a situation – uh, where it's done remotely and on a Zoom call or some kind of thing like that, where he could be shown note cards or have somebody talking in his ear, and there'd be no way of you finding out.
3: Yeah, it's, it's very scary to think uh, how things could be manipulated um, if, if this is allowed to go forward, a virtual debate of sorts. You know, the American people deserve to see these two men on a stage, side by side, unfiltered by the the mainstream media who we know is biased against the president. He has ninety three percent negative media coverage. They have been consistently propping up Joe Biden. There's no way to know if uh either candidate, quite frankly, is getting help from somebody. And that is not what debates are meant to be. They're meant to be two men or you know two candidates, as we saw last night with the vice presidential debate, on stage one on one, with no help from anybody else. And the only way to ensure that is to have them on a stage together, not over a Zoom call, no virtual debate.
1: So, what, what do you think about the media reaction to the debate last night?
3: <laughs> well, look, I think for anyone that watched that debate, very clearly, uh, Mike Pence was the the winner. I mean, he had such a clear uh, message. He obviously has a, a track record on which to run for himself and the president. Um, he held kamala harris to task for things that even the moderator wouldn't do he made sure he asked the question about packing the court still didn't get an answer from her on that i'll remind everybody we did not get an answer last week from joe biden on that either um it looked like she was very ill-prepared it looked like she was in over her head her body language showed us that she was incredibly uncomfortable being on that stage she she looked at angry. She reminded me of like a a mom of one of my friends growing up when I would go over to the house and she was in a really bad mood and cranky. And I was like, (laughs) I'm never coming back here to spend the night. That's sort of the feeling I think a lot of people got. So I thought it was a bad look for her. I did not think that uh, that it was a great night for Kamala Harris or the Biden-Harris or Harris-Biden campaign, depending on who you ask.
1: What is it about Biden and Harris, thinking that there are no recordings out there with them talking about banning fracking and they're still blatantly just say they did they're not banning it and it takes 10 seconds to find them on video saying it both of them
3: well yeah they they should be smarter than that and they should know that when they're lying about their positions like fracking they have both said that they are in favor of banning fracking in fact Kamala Harris said it would be one of the first things she did if she ever were to take office um that uh, coupled with the the amount of lies about the trump uh, administration and some of their policies and positions a quick search on the internet will take you exactly 10 seconds like you said to find out that all of the things she lied about w- would be very apparent to people
1: well nancy pelosi did uh, dragged out something new today i mean they've sort of mentioned this before but uh, it's been in the news before that there was people there were people talking about this uh but the uh the 25th amendment was dragged out by oh. nancy pelosi today what do you think of that
3: well, of course it was, because we're 26 days away from an election that they know they cannot win. Uh, that is why you see 90 days before a presidential election, the Democrats try to change the game. They've tried to instill a universal vote by mail in many states across America so that they can rig a system. And now that they know they're being caught in that, now they're trying to invoke the 25th Amendment. Are you kidding me? I mean, this just goes along with Russia collusion, which we know was a total hoax. With the way that Nancy and her colleagues tried to impeach this president over a phone call with Ukraine, absolutely ridiculous. This is exactly why on November 3rd, I want to make sure everybody not only is voting for Donald Trump at the top of the ticket, but Republicans all the way down. Let's take back the House and send Nancy back to San Francisco.
1: (laughs) Well, I I got to ask you this, and maybe you can give me a scoop on this, but there are rumors going around that uh, the president's going to show up in Pittsburgh next week. Can you give me anything on that?
3: Well, there is nothing official that has been planned. We are obviously waiting from the campaign to make sure that uh, the president is cleared before we plan any travel for him um, to any part of the country. I know he would love nothing more than to be in Pittsburgh. He loves getting out on the road. I'll tell you the hardest part of if, if him getting COVID has been that now that he feels better, he wants to be back out and he wants to be uh, campaigning all across America, but he's got to stay, stay in a little bit longer. So, Look, the second he gets clearance from uh, medical personnel, we are going to have a back out on the road in Pennsylvania, and probably Pittsburgh will be one of the first stops.
1: Now, uh, is he? Is he? I'm sure he's really um, uh, interested in getting back to doing a rally. How far away is he from being healthy enough for that?
3: Well, look, it, it really depends. I mean, he'll be COVID tested um, every day, I imagine, and the, the first time he gets, you know, two or three negative COVID tests in a row, that's whenever he can get back out on the road. If you ask him based on how he feels, he'll tell you he could have gone out three days ago. Uh, But we're probably, I would guess, maybe five to seven days away from that. We have to see, uh, of course, how how everything's going medically for him. But we're following all the guidelines. We're making sure that everybody stays healthy. And uh, as soon as he's cleared, we'll have him back out.
1: Laura, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Uh, thanks, and good luck on the rest of the way. Here, you got twenty six days, and then your life—you'll get your life back. So have a, uh, <laughs> have, a have a good twenty six days.
2: Thank you so much.
1: All right, thank you. That's Laura Trump, and we'll be right back.
0: Spending more time inside? J&D Waterproofing can help you breathe a little easier. Protect your family, friends, and pets from mold, dampness, and other unhealthy elements. For over 80 years, J&D has been making Pittsburgh basements very dry and improving indoor air quality with solutions like the Easy Breathe System. Eliminate unhealthy mold and allergy-causing moisture without filters or reservoirs while using less energy than a 40-watt light bulb. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY or visit J.D. Waterproofing.
4: This is a limited offer only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash trial. That's BambooHR.com slash trial.
5: Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisPyro.com. We're all
1: thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows of Rust Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows Zarras remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows... Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's WindowsOrUsPittsburgh.com. WindowsOrUsPittsburgh.com.
4: Do you have constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating that keeps coming back? Take the 5-question gut check to see if it could be more than occasional constipation. It could be irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, or linaclutide, is a prescription medication that treats IBSC in adults. Linzess is not a laxative. It works differently. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements.
5: Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling.
4: Talk to your doctor about whether Linzess is right for you. Go to linzess.com to take the 5-question gut check. That's l-i-n-z-e-s-s.com or call one 800 s
0: this is the John Stacker walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer.
1: Well, uh, today uh, is uh, uh, just another day along the campaign trail with the debate being canceled. Uh, and uh, then, uh, well, first of all, the Biden campaign wanted to have a, a virtual debate. And the Trump campaign said, no, thanks. And, uh, so this is, this comes, of course, one day after the the D-Day after the, uh, vice presidential debate last night, which I watched and came away thinking pretty much what I thought after the first debate. It was easier to watch than the first one without so much interruption, but, um, I don't think two minds were changed all over the country based on what was said last night. Everybody, nothing new, no, no new ground broken, no major gaffes or major. Uh, statements made by anybody that that could be used uh, to turn anybody against them who wasn't already for them, um, but um, the one of the things that came out was the, the the fracking issue, that and also packing the Supreme Court. She would she refused to answer any questions about packing the Supreme Court. Uh, many times is actually Mike Pence is the one who had to press her on it because Susan Page, who's a, as a uh, as a TV debate moderator is a pretty good writer for post for USA today, get a TV person to do the debates. Okay. Not a writer. She was terrible. She stinks. She stinks at TV and she did a bad job on the debate. But anyway, there was the uh, discussion about fracking. And when every time that uh, Mike Pence and there were many times he did said that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, are against fracking, she got this ridiculous look on her face and a half smirk and shook her head. Well, here she is talking
4: about fracking. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. So, yeah, and, 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 starting, and starting with what we can do on day one around public lands, right? And, um, and then there has to be legislation. But, yes, and this is something I've taken on in California. I have a history of working on this issue. And to your point, um, and, you know, the, we have to just acknowledge that the residual impact of fracking is enormous in terms of the impact on the health and safety of communities.
1: Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. So thank you. Uh, That was during the uh, Democratic uh, primary. She said that. And then last night, she actually she and Joe Biden both try to deny that they're uh, going to ban fracking. Now, they're not going to ban fracking if they should somehow win because they're just it's not going to happen. But they want to. And they will. And and maybe they'll change their mind if uh, if they do win and see that it was it's a bad idea. But for them to say that they were not out there saying that they wanted to ban fracking is an insult to everybody's intelligence, uh, if that's possible, for people who vote for people like Kamala Harris. But um, it's just out there. And Joe Biden, I could could find you videos of him saying, uh, and you've seen them all. He grabs one person and looks him or her in the eye, forget which it was, and says, I'm going to get rid of fossil fuels. That's what he says. And he's now denying that, he, that he's going to do that. So that's where we are in the campaign, and uh, we'll see if maybe President Trump's coming to Pittsburgh next week. You heard Laura Trump say that she might. Um, and uh, I should say, I had an interesting day today, so there's a there's a chance that you're going to hear my dogs bark, or one of them bark. I, uh, um, I'm still doing a show from home here in beautiful uh, Washington County, and, uh, uh, been here since like April or March, but um, so my dogs are here, and every once in a while they let you know they're here by barking. So I have two dogs; they're both uh, golden retrievers. They're called English Cream Golden Retrievers, and they're so they're they're white. And uh, as I'm sitting here right now, Betsy is uh, lying next to me. Normally, it's Betsy and Archie, and especially Archie. He's when I'm doing this show, he is at my feet here at the ch- at, by the chair where I'm doing it. Well, he had to go to the doctor today to have a growth mo- removed from his gum his, in his mouth. And uh, so every day I go to a park near here and walk in the woods every morning, early in the morning. And I um, have them off the leash, which I'm not supposed to do, but I do it because nobody's there. But anyway, um, so they've gone there together. And Betsy's the younger one. She's only four and Archie is eight. And he was gone because I took him to the vet early this morning. And then I took Bessie to the woods by herself. She's never been there without Archie. So I was interested to see how she would act. And this is why I love dogs. This dog knew Archie wasn't there. So I, I walk on a path that's pretty narrow and in a, in a wooded area. So there, there isn't any room really for them to wander unless they go off into the weeds and into the growth on the sides of the path. So I was walking along the path, and I stopped, and I looked, and Betsy was sitting with her back to me, and she doesn't do that. She sat with her back to me as I kept walking, and she was looking back on the path. She she knew something was wrong, that Archie was supposed to be there, and and then she would look at me, and it was like, wait, wait, where are you going? You're leaving Archie behind. And uh, so I'm telling you that because I love dogs, and I like telling stories about my dogs and boring you with it, but also because... Uh, my wife went to go pick Archie up, and uh, he 's been at the vet all day, so there 's a possibility that before this show is over, uh, Archie might come into the house and start going nuts, and Betsy will go nuts when she sees him so i 'm just warning you to be be ready for that but I, I just thought it was great that the, she did it multiple times during the walk today she would j- I would turn around and she would be stopped, and she would be sitting and looking back on the path, waiting for Archie to come around the bend and wondering why he wasn 't there so um, so he he'll be home shortly, and probably be start. She may start barking and acting like an idiot. Anyway, um, got a couple minutes left here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the stupidity of uh, of lockdowns. There's another really good study out about it, and we're going to talk about how, uh, that and with some facts about how they haven't worked and they're counterproductive. But um, one, uh, I before I get to that, something real quick. They're 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 rioting in Wisconsin now. They did it last night in a place called. Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. They're going into the suburbs, which I think, if I were going to be in charge of the rioting, I would. I would be rioting in the suburbs. Uh, that's the place to go if you want to get the tension and cause the most fear. Uh, so I, I'm always wondering why they waste their time in their own neighborhoods. They should be. They should come out of the city and go into the uh, into the suburbs. They really want to make a make a real impact. But they're throwing rocks and boulders through windows in Wisconsin, and the cops came out with a statement that basically said, told people uh, that they should go in the house, shelter in their houses, and stay away from their windows. These people, a lot of people have bought guns in the last several months. This is not going to end well if they keep going into the suburbs. We'll be right back.
6: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Six people have been charged in federal court with plotting to kidnap Michigan Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer at her vacation home. Separately, seven more people have been charged with trying to target police in the Michigan Capitol. Hurricane Delta gaining strength as it bears down on the U.S. Gulf Coast. Forecasters warning that Delta could blow ashore Friday with winds of up to 105 miles per hour. They place most of Louisiana within Delta's path including the area around Lake Charles, which is under a mandatory evacuation order. The number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits falling last week to 840,000. Stocks closing higher on Wall Street, as hope remains that Washington can approve more aid for the economy. The Dow today gained 122 points, the Nasdaq ahead 56, the S&P up 27. This is SRN News. God's Word is
1: power, and we need to be in His Word every day gaining wisdom. God is very patient, but because of our immoral society, we are drowning in debt, have poor public education, and corruption all around us. Our founders would be horrified at what the democratic agenda has become. With the right and left fighting each other, they get none of the work done. Please go to to ProfitToAmerica.com. We're going to lose America. You can't remain silent. That's ProfitToAmerica.com.
0: It's time to move beyond the regrets of yesterday and the problems of today and instead discover that your best days are ahead. Don't miss David Jeremiah's It's Time to Move Forward online special. Dr. Jeremiah is joined by Sheila Walsh, Levi Lasco, and Anthony Evans as they share a message of hope for today. Hope to see the future with great expectation, to stand firm in the promises of God, and to move forward no matter your circumstances. Available to watch right now at moveforwardevent.com. Mike Gallagher sees the left playing tricks again. They're not publishing the tax returns themselves because, well, they know it's illegal. It's a calculation. And the calculation is, let's break the law, let's leak somebody's tax returns and do everything we can to take them down and we'll sort it out later after Joe Biden is being told what to do by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. All will be good in progressive land. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The answer. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing,
1: having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job, it's what we do. You have the same goals we all do to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law
0: 800- Five hundred eighty-three, eighty-four. 500
5: Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spirate, 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website
0: at DennisSpira.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. 3CS Pittsburgh. A division of SEDA Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer.
2: Inbound Parkway West, delays from Greentree to Parkway Center Drive. A crash is off to the shoulder. Inbound on the Parkway East, Heavy Grant Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound delays from Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Inbound Fort to Bridge. Watch out for an accident there. Crash also in Banksville on Banksville Road at Carnahan Road. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson.
0: AM 1250, The Answer weather. We'll see clear skies for tonight with a low of 43. Sunny to partly cloudy skies expected for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high 72. Partly cloudy and mild tomorrow night with a low of 59. Saturday will be warm with times of clouds and sun. Saturday's high 76. Sunday we'll see a thick cloud cover with occasional rain in the afternoon. Sunday will reach a high of 71. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer.
1: Just thought you should know uh, that uh, Joe Biden said today. (laughs) I just saw this. Uh, It's on video, too. So somebody will be running. You'll see that later tonight. Joe Biden, quote, you'll know my opinion on court packing when the election is over. There you go. Thanks, Joe. Anyway, uh, as you know, Joe also thinks President Trump and the entire uh, White House staff should be in a lockdown. That's why he's afraid to debate next week. And Joe has said that if their experts told him it was necessary, if he's president, he'd lock the entire country down again. I think he might have used his usual day one reference. He'd do it on the first day. He'd have a busy, busy, busy first day if this guy gets elected. <laughs> But there's a lot of evidence that lockdowns are dumb and don't work. And John Tierney wrote about some research that shows that today at City Journal. He's a Pittsburgh guy who uh, works for the City Journal, and he joins us now. John, thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it.
7: Thanks for inviting me back to the Berg.
1: I <laughs> uh, want to say hello <laughs> to anybody. I mean, um, my mom may be listening. I told her about it.
7: So, and, okay. uh, hi, mom.
1: Yeah, very good. All right, in in your first sentence on your piece today, you state that um lockdowns are by the way, how do you feel before I get to that. I think that's that's just stunning to me what I just saw. That Joe Biden says that you'll know his opinion on court packing when the election <laughs> is over. That's not kind of isn't that isn't it? That is, I don't think taxes, that's the way it's supposed to work elect- on
7: the campaign, you know. <laughs> not usually, but the, Look, during the lockdowns, well, uh, we can't really give out opinions either. That's probably unsafe too. So. Uh,
1: you know, but I mean, you're, when you're on when you're running for office, you, it's not really a common thing for a guy to say in a speech. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do about taxes after <laughs> I'm elected. I promise I'll do that it's just it's stunning and the media of course will give them a pass on it anyway uh in in your first sentence in your piece today you said that uh lockdowns are surely the most risky experiment ever conducted on the public that's um that's pretty strong stuff there
7: but it's true you know the way we've looked at it is that these are a precaution you know we're just playing it safe better to do it but in fact, we have never done anything like this, inflicted so much economic damage, so much social damage, so much damage to children, uh, you know, so, and, and, you know, early in the pandemic, people were calculating what this, you know, this terrible economic thing would mean because, you know, when people lose their jobs and people lose their businesses, you, uh, they're more prone to, you know, to drug overdoses, suicide, all kinds of mental problems. Children are going to be, you know, children will pay for this the rest of their lives, especially poor children who've lost a year of school. Um, and, you know, that's going to affect them throughout their lives. And, you know, people were not getting screened, um, for, you know, for cancer, for heart disease, pneumonia, tuberculosis. You know, those all translate, and they're not being, and they weren't being treated for them, you know, during a lockdown. So that all translates into people dying. And, yeah, you know, so it's a very risky experiment that we're doing. This we know that when people lose money, more people die. You know, when there's a recession, it just correlates with that. So any ethical scientist who you know who is running an experiment with known deadly side effects, you know, has got to be monitoring the results very carefully, considering those dangers. And you know, this was justified at the beginning. We're just doing it. You know, 14 days to you know to lock down to uh, you know to flatten the curve. And then it just kept getting extended and no one, you know, no one in the public health establishment or virtually no one, you know, in positions of authority has been has been considering how much damage is this doing? And also, is it, are these lockdowns actually doing any good? What's the cost? You know, we know there's enormous, enormous harms from them. What good are they doing? And the answer, you know, that seems counterintuitive is, is that there isn't much evidence that they're doing any good at all you know, social distancing, voluntary social distancing does some good, and you see that that has an effect, but there isn't much evidence that the lockdowns themselves have actually done anything.
1: And and why haven't the people in government paid attention to these risks?
7: Because the only metric that matters to the media and to politicians who follow the media is what's the daily COVID count. That's all, you know, they, as long as they can try and keep that down and not get blamed for any COVID deaths. That became the single-minded obsession. We don't care about all these kids who are losing a year of school. We don't care about all the other people who are dying, who are losing their businesses, you know, who are despairing. The only thing that the media cared about is, is how, you know, how many cases are there? You know, there aren't really that many deaths anymore, but now it's all just about cases. And, you know, and, and um, so the media is determined to keep this, you know, as a crisis, even though, you know, we had this, you know, very high deaths in April um, in New York City, where I am, especially. But you know, what happened in New York, for instance, is um, that the peak deaths came on April seventh here in New York, and an and awful lot of that was because of nursing home blunders. You know, Governor Cuomo sent COVID yes. patients into nursing homes, but but anyway, the peak death was on April seventh, and if you look at the typical track of infection. It's typically between 21 and 26 days from the time you're infected to the time you die, if you die, which, of course, most people don't. But, um, and if you go back from that, it, that means that the peak of infection occurred by March 17th, maybe earlier. That was five days before the lockdown began. So, you know, basically, you know, this pandemic was already waning five days before the lockdowns began. And other studies have looked around the world, and and, and they've compared states. They've compared. You know, one study looked at 50 different countries, and, and and others looked at different states. And what they find is that when you look at the mortality rate between countries, you know it's kind of treated as this Olympics event. You know, who's got the lowest mortality rate? And yeah. it's not really that fair to compare countries because you know a lot depends on on the population. And and when these researchers looked at 50 countries, they found that it depends a lot, obviously, on the age of the population. You know, when Kamala Harris was saying, or, or I guess the moderator, Susan Page, in that debate last night said that we have a very high rate, you know, compared to other we- uh, wealthy yeah. countries. Well, we also have higher rates of diabetes and obesity, and that's what, you know, that's what these re- uh, researchers found, that, you know, that the mortality rate definitely correlates with the age of the population and with obesity. But it did not correlate with whether you closed the border. It, didn't, it did not correlate with lockdowns. And so, you know, you fail to find it. You know, other researchers in Britain and Germany found that, you know, there, just as in New York City, that the that the epidemic was waning before the lockdowns began so we basically i mean if they'd done it sooner it might have eased some of the strain on hospitals although you know the hospitals were never really overwhelmed we didn't run out of ventilators or hospital beds here in new york despite you know the the the, the massive predictions that you know that uh, uh, that they'd be um you know, completely overwhelmed that we'd have twice as many COVID patients as there were hospital beds. And, and those predictions were just off by, you know, you know by five by fivefold. So, you know, so there might have been a case early on to do that, but it looks as if the lockdowns just came too late to make it much difference at all. And the fact that they're continuing is, you know, is really, I think, unethical. You, you, we're still running this terrible experiment on the population, and we don't know that it's doing any good. And we know that it's doing vast harm.
1: And it is an experiment. So what what is the Great Barrington Declaration? That's what you wrote about today. We're talking to John Tierney. He's a contributing editor at the City Journal.
7: Yeah, uh, the Great Barrington, you know, there are a few, I think, sane researchers on this. And I've written about it. In one of them is Sinatra, Gupta, uh, uh, Sinatra uh, Gupta from Oxford, and there's another researcher from Stanford and Martin Caldor from Harvard, and they they organized a conference and, and and they brought together some you know people willing to look at this rationally instead of the way you know we just have to prevent any COVID death at all. And they issued this declaration saying that uh, we need a a different approach to this epidemic, that the lockdowns are causing you know unacceptable damage, and that we should have what they call focused protection that we want to protect people at risk, who, who, you know, mainly people over 65 or, you know, over 60 or 65. And they, we should continue to shield them. But it makes much more sense for, you know, for younger people. And I wrote another article about this, you know, for, for children, the risk of, the flu, of dying from the flu is greater than the risk of dying from COVID. You know, Sweden never closed its schools. You know, no children died. The teachers did not have a higher rate of infection. You know, children are very low risk from this. Um, you know, teenagers and young adults—you um, are much more likely to be murdered than you are to die of COVID. And you know, for anyone, I like think up to fifty uh, below fifty-five, you're much more likely to die in a car accident. You know, for from cancer, or from heart disease, than you are from COVID. So for people, you know, uh, you know, below fifty-five, that they, they should be going back to work normally. The schools should be open. You know, I mean, older teachers, people who have you know, who have underlying conditions to put them at risk, sure, let them, you know, work online, and make sure to protect them. But most people can go back and do this. And and, and what these researchers argue is that this is, I mean, obviously, the, you know, there are huge benefits in people's lives, for the economy, for everything else to have things going back to normal. But the other huge advantage is that this also helps the vulnerable people. Because the sooner we, you know, the more younger people who expose themselves to this virus and, you know, most, you know, many of them, I think half or something will be asymptomatic anyway. Um, And some might have mild cases, but but as more young, low risk people expose themselves, this is how you build up herd immunity. This is how you stop the pandemic from spreading. Now, you know, nothing is going to make this virus disappear. It's, it's like flu and cold viruses. It'll be around. But once enough people have, have been exposed to it and develop immunity, then it stops spreading quickly. And the sooner you do that you know, by exposing young people, the sooner the vulnerable people, the older people can come out of isolation because the virus is not going to be spreading quickly. And, and that's what um, the scientists said. And I think something like 2,000 health professionals have signed it. And I think the public has been invited to sign it. The Great Barrington Declaration, you could Google that. And the public can signed it. I think they've had more than 100,000 signatures so far. So this is, uh, it's really encouraging that some voices of sanity are speaking out and saying, come on, now, we have to rethink this. You know, it was one thing to do this panicky reaction in the spring when we, there are all these predictions, you know, how deadly this virus was and millions of people were going to die. But now that we've seen, you know, that it's not nearly as lethal as feared. That, that it's not lethal to, you know, that it's, you know, that it's really not worse than the flu for young people, we should be behaving rationally instead of continuing these lockdowns.
1: Yeah. And if you're under 20, your chances of uh, dying from COVID are about the same as, dying from being trampled by an elephant I, that's right in there about the same uh, and i mean i'm not exaggerating because the, the yeah. because the chances are zero you can't get yeah. much it's 99.997 so i got as much chance of of getting trampled by an elephant if i walk down the street in mount lebanon as a 19 year old kid has
7: of dying from covid um, right but, I, mean, uh, I mean it's so awful to see these college students being suspended or expelled you know, because yeah. they had a party. I mean, they're right. actually helping to build up herd immunity. We should be praising them. And, yeah. and what's, you know, kids, I mean, they are I mean, if, if college students are willing to get into a car and drive, they should be willing to sit in a lecture hall. I mean, it, it's, right. just, it, it's irrational to, to worry so much about this virus for them.
1: Well, what is uh, 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 something that, uh, in the in the Great Barrington Declaration? Explain what Q-A-L-Y is, Quality Adjusted Life Year.
7: Right. That's that's a standard thing that people use when they're trying to evaluate, you, you know, is it worth spending money on this drug or on a medical treatment, on surgery and so forth? And it means how many years of kind of good good years of life do you have that are relatively free of disease and disability, you know, keeping somebody alive for an extra year when they're in, you know, in, in, in terrible condition um, yeah. is, is not as valuable to society or to any of us, you know, as keeping a young person alive who has so many uh, years of healthy life ahead of them. That's the rational way to do it. It's the way, you know, the progressive healthcare experts, that's what they wanted. You know, the federal government should be making all these decisions based on this and, and deciding where to spend money. But now, you know, with COVID, all we care about is is saving lives of people. Now, you know, nearly 80% of the COVID victims who died are over 65, and more than 40% of them in the United States have been in nursing homes. And the sad statistic is that when you enter a nursing home, you know, the median life expectancy is five months. I mean, most people, you know, the majority of people who go into nursing homes you know, have very serious conditions, and unfortunately, you know, they don't survive a year. Now, obviously, nobody wants to hasten their demise, but it makes no sense to, you know, to cause all this harm, you know, all these deaths among younger people, um, you know, to achieve very few QALYs, as they call you know, quality-adjusted life years. And that's the rational way to make policy. That's what you expect public health professionals to be doing is looking at this dispassionately and instead it's just become this hysterical lock everything down we can't afford to take any risks and in doing so we're making you know we're, we're killing more people.
1: So we're going to see those I only have about a minute and a half left John we're going to see the results of, uh, of what they're doing with the lockdowns in a, uh, um, a decline in the quality of adjusted lives. Or the the number, yeah, there are
7: going to be more people, you know, committing suicide, having fatal drug overdoses, dying from cancer, dying from heart disease because they weren't treated properly during. The thing is, those things don't show up. The media doesn't post daily tolls of that. So, you know, you know, politicians don't don't care about it. But those, all those unseen casualties are going to be are going to be worse than the virus. And it's it's just unethical to continue this experiment at this point. I think.
1: Well, we have about a minute left, and uh, you said a minute or so ago that uh, this virus isn't going to go away. Unfortunately, we have a governor who just said the other day that we can't go back to normal until the virus is gone. Either
7: Why doesn't it go further and say that, you know, as the Babylon Bee had a story, governor uh, announces that lockdown will continue until scientists discover a cure for death. I mean, you know, viruses, do, they become endemic. It goes from, a you know, from an epidemic. To it's endemic like you know flu and cold viruses stick around but once Mm -hmm. enough people develop immunity to it they don't spread that much and you know the vaccine is not is not a magic wand that suddenly makes the virus disappear it just means that's a way to build herd immunity that you know people have it but it's still going to be there there are going to be people who aren't vaccinated that you know they're always going to be it's going to be there
1: and there's still going to be old people who die from it the flu
7: uh, yeah, you know. so people People are going to continue dying from many things. They, they haven't figured out how to stop that yet.
1: Well, John, uh, John Tierney, a, a contributing editor at City Journal. You can find it at city-journal.org. Thanks a lot for being on. Hope to have you again soon. Thanks.
7: Thank you, John.
1: Okay, we'll be right back.
8: a person get rights when a person is a person all across our nation our nation is divided in our homes in social media everywhere you turn but what is at the heart of this division In the new movie Divided Hearts of America, Super Bowl champion and executive producer Benjamin Watson searches for the truth.
2: This is one of the worst possible choices that any woman and her family has to make.
8: You'll discover why the most polarizing debate of this century boils down to the sacred dignity of human life. There is no personhood under law. We don't have that in this country. With Divided Hearts of America, you'll learn what you need to Be armed to fight what divides us and come to a place of real unity with empathy, healing, and real hope. Be part of the change and watch Divided Hearts of America. Go to SalemNow.com to purchase. Use promo code MUSIC for 20% off. SalemNow.com, promo code MUSIC. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call
0: and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials, or price could vary depending on your health, issuing
5: company, and other factors. Not available in all states.
0: Let's say you've decided to build a bicycle from scratch. Sounds like an impossible project for my skills, but let's say you've got the skills and I offer you an advantage, a special tool that would help you build the bike faster while saving you legitimate money. My guess is you'd say bring it on. If you wouldn't, well, then
1: this commercial isn't going to make much sense. My name is Ryan. I'm from United Faith Mortgage, and we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is lucky to have a direct
0: lender advantage. Our company is set up to use its own money and make its own lending decisions within its own walls. And often, this advantage allows us to get your refinance or new home loan done faster and get you a better rate, which saves you monthly and lifelong money. Rates are
1: historically low. Now is the time to see how our special tool might work for you. We our United Faith Mortgage.
8: United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Middle Park, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to AnimalistConsumerAccess.org. Corporate Animalist number 1335, RAC Animalist number 65233, Equal Housing Lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. and when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov.
4: Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense.
0: The John Stagerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. So this, um,
1: this thing from Joe Biden today, it's, it's just stunning. Um, I listened to the, the soundbite again. I didn't have time to get it turned around. We don't have time for it here at the end of the show. But uh, maybe I can play it tomorrow. You'll hear it, I think, a lot in the next uh, well, over the next uh, you know day and a half or so. But it, he says he he's not gonna. He said I don't I don't I'll blame you for asking me the question about packing the court. He said, but uh, I'm not going to answer it. And uh, you know, we'll to, I'll I'll tell you all about it after the election. He said. Now the reason I don't is because if I answered that question you people would have that as the headline on all your papers he thinks it's still 1956 and everybody's out there you know with everybody there is a newspaper writer doesn't realize that newspapers are dead but um he says that'll it be the headline in all your papers and that's all they'll be talking about instead of and then he went off a usual list of all the things that matter like what i don't know what it was but i you know my I, I i block it out when i hear him start to babble with that stuff but uh he thinks that it's not good for him to tell you the voter what he's going to do with supreme court pack it or not pack it because it would distract from other things like that's not important and you can wait another 4 weeks until the election this is this is what this is a guy who's running for president of the united states and he should be laughed off the stage for that alone but let's see if the media uh, even pay any attention to it tonight. I'm, when I say the media, of course, I mean the the non-Fox media. So I'm off tomorrow. Uh, that means I will talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for Mike to Mike and Darren for helping me out. And I'll see you on John Monday. Bye.
0: is a production of the Antwerp Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.